G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. What I think is a very controversial issue today, as lockdowns continue to put pressure on people and businesses and churches, the level of frustration has tipped some over the edge and has bubbled over into even violent street protests. Last weekend, there was significant attention to a growing unrest in the wider community, highlighting divisions over COVID lockdowns and those who believe that the cure is worse than the pandemic. Well, this week, there are threatened protests from truckies who aim to shut down the country, blocking highways across Australia. Anti-lockdown protests are contrary to the public health orders aimed at keeping the entire community safe from super-spreader events. The question is raised, asking when is it right for a Christian to participate in acts of civil disobedience? And Christians will be divided on the issue. But what is coming are some very difficult issues that Christians might not be so divided about, around things like conversion therapy that will criminalise Christian pastoral care practices, abortion issues that shut down Christian compassion, and euthanasia legislation legalising killing and potentially outlawing Christians from from talking someone out of suicide. Well, some Christians rely on a reading of Romans chapter 13 as a good scriptural foundation for not doing anything that goes against government rulings. So a conversation today on when to speak up and when to remain silent. What do we do when governments say evil is good and good is evil? When is it right to protest? When is it time for good citizens to make a stand and resist an evil government? What about allegiance first to God and not to godless authorities? Well, this is where our conversation is going over the coming hour, asking when good citizens make a stand, a time to speak, a time to remain silent, and some reflection on Romans chapter 13. Our special guest through this coming hour, the Reverend Dr. Ross Clifford. He's a theologian, a political commentator, radio personality and author, a former lawyer, a long-time advocate for Christian values, and today he's principal of Australia's largest theological college, Morling Theological College in Sydney. Ross Clifford, a special welcome along to 2020. Good to be with you, Neil. Uh, Ross, it is a controversial topic we'll talk about today, and uh, I wonder whether we might start with the idea... uh, of uh, a time to keep silent and a time to speak. We might even reflect on that scripture that comes out of the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Sometimes it's time to speak and sometimes it's not. What are your thoughts? Oh, look, mate, I agree that uh, Paul in Romans chapter 13 and verse 11 tells Christians to wake up from their slumber 
uh, with respect to what's going around about us. And uh, I, I think this is a really significant time for Christians to wake up from their slumber, to speak out, but to make sure they do it from the perspective of being a good Christian citizen. This idea of good citizenship, Ross, uh, when people look at Romans chapter 13, and let me read what the passage is uh, that people tend to uh, rely on here when they say we ought to do nothing. Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. If you do what is wrong, you should be afraid, for the authority does not bear the sword in vain. And listeners can find that passage in Romans chapter 13. But when people read that, Ross, there are some who will say, isn't that significant for Christians that says, do nothing that upsets the government? Look, Neil, I don't believe it does say that. But what it does say is remember that God has put the government in place. Uh, God has ordained everything that's about us. And so, therefore, to rebel against a government just because you feel that's what you should do without real consultation with God and others is to disagree with this command that God has given us. So God's you know, put the government in place. Uh, he has told us to pray for governments rather than rebel against governments. He tells us in Romans 13 what is the role of governments. Uh, they're servants. They're there to serve the people. And now we need to remember Jesus was revolutionary. It was Jesus in Matthew 22 who said, Give unto Caesar that which belongs to Caesar and give unto God that which belongs to God. No one had ever heard that before. So Jesus is saying there are things that clearly the government need to do and we honour the government, but also we need to make sure in our lives we honour God. So mate, Romans 13 is a good starting base. This is how we live. We're respectful people. We're respectful citizens. God has put the government in place. And so that's where we begin from. So mate, I'm just really cautious that people you don't begin from a state of rebellion begin from a state of honouring and respecting our politicians and our government. But having said that, mate, that's not the end of the story. We're not doormats. And, you know, to do that doesn't mean, as we look at other events in Scripture, that we don't speak out where we need to speak out, but make sure in this process we're respectful of the police, respectful of those in authority, but we also stand for the things of God. Uh, You make that wonderful reference to Jesus holding up the coin and uh, when being asked about giving, uh, he says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and unto God what that which is God's. Jesus very cleverly evading a question that was going to captivate him or uh, you know in some ways uh, bring uh, you know some sort of guilt upon him but what he does is he actually separates this idea of well the government is saying this but my allegiance and our allegiance is to God is that still relevant for us today absolutely and that was revolutionary in those days under the Roman system everything belonged to Caesar everything and what Jesus is saying no That is not the case. We respect Caesar when it's good government and it's a process of respect, but there is a God that we bow down before and Caesar can't move into the areas of God. 
And, mate, this was absolutely revolutionary. The world had never heard that before. And you see that being picked up by Paul, but you need to see that in that context in Romans. He's saying the same thing. Give to Caesar that which belongs to Caesar. Be respectful of Caesar. But he's not telling us, don't obey God when Caesar does the wrong thing. Well, some will say uh, that's all very interesting and good to hear Jesus saying that and Paul saying that in the first century. And we know that there was a very oppressive Roman Empire that was in charge. How do we relate that today? And, uh, you know, aren't our governments in Australia all the good guys? Uh, What are your thoughts here for how we might be thinking about our own governments and the sorts of policies they're presenting to us? Well, I think we've got to remember that we're in a much better place than most other parts of the world. And so we thank God for that. Uh, When we look at what's happening in uh, Afghanistan and Haiti and elsewhere, we know that God has blessed us with our authorities and the way that we live. But that doesn't mean we still don't model, Neil, what this plays out to be. I mean, there's a movement today talking about reading the book of Romans backwards, because we all know what the beginning of Romans talks about, how we are saved by Jesus and called into his family and the like. But sometimes we forget the last few chapters of Romans that says, okay, you've been saved by Jesus, you've been justified, you've been blessed, but this is how you live. This is how you model it, Neil. And one of the ways you model it is being a good Christian citizen. Good Christian citizens, respectful of government, respectful of police, but my gosh, we've also got a God who we're respectful for, and things like conversion therapy that you've already mentioned, Neil, how in any way can we not oppose that and speak out? And I was just reading an article that came in yesterday, uh, Neil, about in China, um, they're giving rewards to people who dob in house church leaders. And I'm thinking, how outrageous. But, mate, we're giving rewards here to people who dob people in. Just be aware, the moment you start giving that kind of power and that kind of attitude, we're going to pay you to dob in a mate, Mate, you've crossed over. You've crossed over in my mind. It's almost something that sounds a little un-Australian and uh, no doubt, uh, you know, you could reflect on your formative years, Ross, and I can go back maybe not quite as far as you, but I think you're a little older than I am, but uh, this idea, you know, you would never dob in a mate, uh, even if you, you know, disagreed with what they were doing. It was just something you never did. It's like an un-Australian thing to be dobbing in your mate, and yet this is what is, in some sense, now being encouraged. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm sure we're all going to dob someone in who's committing a serious crime or whatever. Are we going to ring the crime stoppers and the like? But it's not about that, Neil. It's about creating a mentality like, you know, communist China when you're looking over to see what's your mate doing in the park. Oh, my gosh, take a photo, dob him in. I mean, what's, what world are we in, mate? I mean, and I just think that's what's happening in places like China in the moment. They're dobbing in House church leaders, they're getting reward for it. They're dobbing in people that are not consistent with where government sees policy. Not saying, go and have a chat to your mate and say, mate, I don't think that's wise or I don't think that's helpful for us as a community. No, you just ring Crime Stoppers, mate. I, I just, this is not a world that Australia has seen before. And I think we need to be really cautious. Power corrupts, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. Doesn't mean that we're not saying politicians have got a really difficult situation here. We're not saying that in many ways they haven't made good calls. What we're saying is 
that you are accountable to us and we are accountable to God and you just can't pass laws that are inconsistent with how a Christian society should run itself. Mate, can I give a quick quote from C.S. Lewis, God in the Dock. Uh, C.S. Lewis, of course, known to so many of us for Narnia tales and mere Christianity. Just listen to this. Of all tyrannies, he said, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. You might have your own thoughts to offer for our conversation today and you might want to take one side or another. That's okay too, 1-800-316-316. We're talking about when good citizens make a stand. Uh, Some reflection on Romans chapter 13. Our special guest is the Reverend Dr. Ross Clifford, theologian, political commentator, radio personality and author. Ross, let me ask you, uh, you know, you've got to pick and choose your battles. Uh, Sometimes people might do that unwisely. What are your thoughts for, you know, some of the big issues that are around right now and how you might prepare to pick and choose? Look, I think the Bible's very clear, Neil, that they did pick and choose their issues. When it was clearly against God, they said, well, I'm sorry to the state. (laughs) You know, we can't not worship. We do need to continue to worship, and so we will. And so they did pick and choose their issues. I mean, there are a number of tests that have come out during the period of time, because, I mean, we're not orphans. This has happened time and time again. And as you say, make sure the issue is a significant issue, not just, you know, you don't like the government telling you what colour to paint your wall or whatever. Just make sure this is a significant issue, and make sure you're not a lone ranger here to as much as possible. Talk to your church, talk to your community, talk to your Christian leaders, and then if you are going to uh, feel that uh, you know you need to make a stand, make sure you've done everything possible uh, to you know. You know, apart from protests, that you've written to people, you've spoken to people, you've you've tried to point out to your politicians, you know, what this means for you. So make sure that you've looked at alternative remedies. You hear what the Christian community is saying. You make you're aware that this is a significant issue, and you know, make sure that you are in every other aspect of your life, witnessing what it is to be respectful and an appropriate citizen of Australia and of the Kingdom of God. So I think they're useful things, but mate, well, can I just give you a quick illustration of what happens sure. when we don't do this? Yep. I was speaking in a church before the latest lockdown in, in uh, Sydney, and in that sermon of Romans 13, I talked about they were wearing masks then, and they had no people up front singing because of what the lockdown restrictions were, but they could come together in a church. And I pointed out, this is good, you know, maybe this is what the government says, and at the moment, I'm sure we're all going along with it. But in the end, the government can't take away our rights to worship because that's a fundamental human right. And so we need to constantly hold the government accountable for restrictions over worship. Doesn't mean we don't go along with them, but it's just not an open blank check for them. After the service, a man came up to me who was a senior staffer with the appropriate minister concerned for all of this, and he said, Ross, this is interesting. I was listening to a podcast with the senior staff of this minister uh, with a bunch of ministers talking about what they're going to do in the coronavirus and what that looks like and how they're buying authority and putting in place. He said, no one spoke like you. 
He said, what happened with the staffers and the senior staff? They looked at uh, the churches. No one spoke like you. They looked at the podcast. They said, that's okay. Give that one a tick. We'll go on to another group. Mate, they just abandoned you. They didn't worry about you because they just said, oh, well, they won't be any problem. Then they went to rugby league. And rugby league came in with a platform and a program and they decided to work with that. So he's saying, mate, if you just sit there as a lame duck, guess what? The government won't even consider you. If you don't speak up, no one will hear even the thoughts and intentions of your own heart. You've got to use your mouth and sometimes you've got to be there physically. And uh, and that's where it gets challenging too as to how you might participate in whatever uh, way you speak up. Hey, we're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take some calls. Ben is in Kalgoorlie in WA. Hello, Ben. Welcome. Good morning. How are you doing? Well, Ben, what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts uh, on this subject is that I think first one is we need to pray about it because, you know, go back to God. God, you know, the Bible says put God first. So we need to pray about it. But also God's given us wisdom to go, all right, we need to say something as well. But not going out like you've seen on the weekend with the violence and that, but saying we need to pray about this. If it's above our head, bit much for us, pray about it, find out what God wants, but also use our wisdom and say, take a stand and say, hey, this is not right, and make a voice that is representing God. You know, we're representing God. And Ben, you make it, a you know, good point here in that you start with prayer before your involvement, and uh, you're thinking take a, a bunch of different uh, dimensions into consideration here. Ross, what are your thoughts for Ben? Oh, spot on, Ben. I love that approach. It begins with prayer. It uh, seek the counsel of the community of Christ that's around you. Um, and as you say, look at respectful ways of approaching uh, the issue. But in the end, if there is an issue that is significant, you do need to speak out and that will come with costs. And I know that myself. I mean, obviously, I've had to speak out uh, as a Christian leader in recent days, and that's led to uh, ABC 730 report attacks and the like uh, for something that I believe as a Christian community uh, we all needed to make a stand about. So in the end, mate, I agree with everything you're saying, but the final step when it's necessary to make a statement, be aware that as in the case of Jesus, you will find a lot of silence around you and uh, you know a lot of people just leaving you out there, but you still have to take that step. Ben, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Let's take another call. Sterling is in Ararat in Victoria. Hi, Sterling. Welcome. Thanks, Neil. Great to talk to you again. Look, I, I, I just wanted to highlight um, down here in Victoria, earlier in the year after one of the lockdowns ended, the Premier, Dan Andrews, he said that there would be certain restrictions uh, which will remain in place after the lockdown ends. And one of them was that um, churches were... Um, numbers in churches could only be 10 people, including the minister. So it's nine people plus a minister. I don't know how you work out which nine, but anyway. But in the same breath, announced that unlimited numbers in brothels. Now, whilst I've never been in a brothel, I would imagine there's far more physical activity going on in there than in a church. <laughs> yeah, these uh, these inconsistencies are what gets under the skin of leaders. And, uh, you know, Ross, your thoughts for Sterling? 
look, Sterling, yeah, we need to ensure that the government is consistent and whatever they're applying to churches and funerals and the like is consistent with what they're seeking to apply to sporting events uh, themselves, their own lives, how Parliament office, uh, operates. And, mate, this is really important, Sterling, that that consistency is there. I mean, the Wilberforce Foundation, which is a Christian think tank in Washington, has said, we need to be aware that many countries have Christians who have fought for human rights and the right to worship, which is the number one human right. And because of COVID, they have taken in those nations that right to worship away and they may never get it back. We need to model for them and the world what it is to say to a government, yeah, that's good, respectful, absolutely. Hey, 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 what, what do you mean about that? That, that? That's not consistent with rugby league. That's not consistent with soccer. That's not consistent with what happens in a pub or whatever. Come on, guys. No, we want that rectified. Mate, we've got to do that. I mean, we've, we've got to model what it is to be a good citizen. I did a funeral the other day outdoors with 10 people. Uh, Neil, it's tragic. I mean, I've got people who can't go and see loved ones. In, in hospitals in New South Wales, we're seeking to work with the minister because they're not letting pastors, and I understand why, they're not letting pastors and chaplains in to see people in great need, perhaps even dying. Only the senior chaplain in the hospital can go in. Uh, and look, we know why they're doing this, but it's got to come with a conversation, mate. You just can't tell a a minister of the gospel, he can't go and, and minister someone who's taking their last breath. I mean, if you want to do that, talk to us, communicate, work out ways where we can do this. It's, I, might, I won't be a doormat for any government. Okay. Uh, and in fact, uh, standing up for what's right may well start with the idea of pointing out inconsistencies. Sterling, thank you so much for your call. Let's take another one. Graham is in Burnie in Tasmania. Hello, Graham. Welcome. Good morning. Uh, look, Isaiah chapter 3, if it's read in the English translation, people can see what's happening in our world today. We have rejected God and will give us confusion. And because we, all these things you stated in the beginning of the program, abortion, all those sort of things, God is sending a message to us. And that's the message to wake up and repent. That's my message. Okay. Ross, your thoughts for Graham? Well, look, Graham, I, I believe that we have always kind of been living the last days in the history of the Christian church. But having said that, I believe God does give us warnings and signs. And, and, and we are when there's moral uh, outrage about, uh, you know, the things that are happening in our community and, and all sorts of stuff that happens, you know, rumours of wars, etc. I think the Bible tells us to be watchful, to be out of our slumber, uh, to just make people aware. We're not saying Jesus is coming back tomorrow, but there are signs that he could be coming back tomorrow. And, you know, I'm, I'm surprised, mate, in these times, I don't hear much about repentance. I'm not saying God's causing all of this, but I don't hear much about people saying, or churches and pastors saying, look, these are the times we live in. God's warned us that there will be times like this. It's in times like this that Jesus will come back. Are you ready? Got your life in order? What does this mean? Uh, you know, just don't throw your trust totally on government. That's not what we're told to do. I'm just surprised that stuff's not there much. Mate, I must admit I went to a church service on Sunday night 
uh, at Nawi Baptist. I went into their service and for the first time in a long, long time, I actually heard a sermon about the possibility, or not possibility, that, that hell is out there and that we need to be people who repent and be mindful of our life and our actions. And I thought, mate, I haven't heard that kind of stuff for years. Well, Graham in Burnie, thank you so much for your call. And just a minute or two out from news, and we'll take some more calls after news, but this idea of taking our cues from Christian leaders. And some of us might be thinking, Ross... Uh, Our leaders are not preaching the sorts of messages that you're talking about, Uh, not actually taking what is happening seriously, reliant on the government alone. Uh, This is uh, perhaps, you know, a little bit of a a warning here for Christian leaders to take note. Oh, yes. Look, a lot of Christian leaders are doing a lot behind the scenes. I'm very aware of that, and they're doing it respectfully, and I appreciate that, and they're getting doors open. But that does come to a time that we need to agitate publicly as well, Neil. And I think that's that's here. Uh, you know, I mean, churches have taken a big blow here. And you take churches and such community groups out of any kind of interaction face-to-face at all. And, mate, that's a mighty big call. Mighty big call. Uh, Ross Clifford, uh, as we'll take some calls in just a few moments, but uh, when I was talking through this sort of issue earlier in the week with the Australian Christian Lobby, uh, they're suggesting that you've got to pick your timing for protest and it may not be a time right now for civil disobedience while there are other levers at our disposal in a democratically uh, a democratic society. What are your thoughts for the timing on the sorts of things that you might do to protest, given that there are uh, all sorts of levers that can be used in a democratic society? Look, Neil, I would basically agree with that. And I think earlier we pointed out that, uh, you know, there have been tests developed over the ages by Christians. And I think that is consistent with those tests. If you're going to give to Caesar, yes, but we've also got to give to God. And that includes making sure this is an issue that requires that kind of significant public stance, making sure that you are listening to others in the Christian community and making sure that other alternative remedies have been explored. Because Romans tells us to be a good citizen, but it doesn't tell us to be a doormat. So I'd agree with ACL, but mate, we're getting close in a couple of areas where, you know, we are being infringed on. So you mentioned conversion therapy. Uh, You know, that's going to end up with people breaching that Victorian law and laws similar in other states because, you know, how can it be that an adult cannot go in to see a pastor or counselling service and say, I want prayer to change my inclination, my sexual inclination. I want that as an adult with good conscience. You haven't influenced me at all. I just want prayer for that. And you say, sorry, can't do that. Sorry, can't do that. But at the same time, in some of those same situations, a minor can be taking medicine for the change of gender. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's madness. It is madness, and uh, these issues are all going to play into what is potentially coming, and we keep hearing it's coming, and we have been hearing now for years, the uh, sorts of legislation that the government is going to address in their religious discrimination bill, and it's not out yet, 
But here, Ross, when the government does present a bill that can be voted on and they're trying to appease all sides and the, no one can be a winner entirely here, but it could turn very bad very quickly or it could be very good if there is the right response from the religious community. What are your thoughts here for coming religious discrimination legislation? Well, Neil, the pressure's already on by the media and certain groups, as evidenced in my own experience of the 7.30 report uh, with respect to us and employment of staff who don't uh, live out consistently what we require with respect to marriage. It's happened in schools. It's happening now in New South Wales schools and elsewhere. It's a concerted campaign, Neil. And if this bill doesn't get through... In September, in November or the end of the year, the Religious Freedom Bill, uh, you know, we're in real strife. And I don't know whether it will. I think the Liberal Party room is having a real struggle over this. And so what they want to do is take away employment uh, privileges for Christian groups to employ who's consistent with their own theological, their own identity, to take that away, and you have to employ the best candidate, irrespective of what their stand is or their marriages or their lifestyle choices are. I mean, that's going to break down those institutions because they're the values, mate, that they bring into the institutions. And, I mean, the pressure's on, the fight's on, the rallies are on now, and if we don't think it is... Mate, we're going to wake up from our slumber, as Paul says in Romans 13. It's happening now. When you're in your slumber, you think discussion about this sort of topic is just an exaggeration. Oh, it must be Ross Clifford looking for another headline. But the upshot of this, Ross, if you take the worst case scenario, is open Christian persecution in Australia. Is that an exaggeration? No, it's not. Of our ideas and our freedom to operate, uh, schools and ministries and churches, uh, theological colleges, according to our value system, as we're a respectful society and for all. I'll just add, though, Neil, that uh, you know, the things that hit us are not major compared to some of the things that are hitting other countries around the world. But that does not mean that we don't express concern in our own situations. And... Neil, you've just got to read the papers. You've just got to know what's going on. You need to know what's going on. The religious discrimination bill at the moment in Canberra, how there are liberal backbenchers trying to make sure that if this bill does come through, that uh, churches and Christian groups are not excluded with respect to employment and who they can employ. It's certainly at the bottom level, if you like, of their employment chain. And questions about government funding. Will we fund groups and Christian organisations who don't adapt the uh, sex discrimination kind of provisions that we want to see in all their employment codes. Mate, it's happening now. The conversation's on now. The bottom line is, and you're leading a Christian education institution, and uh, I've spoken uh, uh, to Christian Schools Australia, the idea that if you're not able to employ Christian people who agree with your Christian ethos and anyone else can just come in because they'll be discriminated against if they can't, you don't have any Christian education if you don't have Christians teaching it. Isn't that the bottom line? It is the bottom line. Or you don't have a Christian ministry or institution or, I mean, what happens with your church? They might protect the pastor but say, oh, no, no, any administrator or anybody else working in the church, no, 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 you can't apply those tests to them. You've just got to employ the best person. 
Um, and now this is real conversation and it's right that we are involved in the heat of that conversation and civil disobedience, if all this comes through, will not necessarily be marching on the street. Civil disobedience will simply be by people saying, well, I'm sorry, we're not going to do that and uh, you know take away our funding or do whatever but we're going to just continue to employ who we want to employ and you know you have to do what you think you have to do but you know under god we're a christian ministry and we're going to operate as a christian ministry do we have to brace ourselves ross that there are going to be people who'll be dragged before the courts uh, being tried and tested in all of these sorts of things as they come to light if the law changes Oh, yes, and it's not necessarily the, uh, the the legal courts. It's a court of public opinion, and the media will make sure that takes place. And, Neil, they won't be too concerned about the facts. They'll just want to shame you, and that's what it's about today. They'll shame you. And I don't know a Christian leader that wants to be in the situation I'm describing at the moment. Who wants to be shamed, you know, on, on TV and radio and whatever, simply because you believe in all conscience you're standing up for your Christian values? Don't let the facts get in the way of this, Neil. You know, there's no way a Labor Party would have to em- employ someone from Clive Palmer's party simply because they can't discriminate according to their values. But, to, oh, yeah, but that doesn't apply to churches. But they will shame. That's the role of the media today in their eyes. Don't worry about the facts. Just shame, shame, shame. We are taking calls, 1-800-316-316. You can join in our conversation. There's also a question on our Facebook post today. It asks, is it ever right for Christians to make a stand when government policy turns evil? You'll find that at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Let's take a call. Peter is on the Gold Coast in Queensland. Hello, Peter. Welcome. Yeah, g'day. Um, Just quickly, I generally agree with ACL principles laid out in in a just society laid out at the Western Australian um, seminar. But um, I I would also say if the media and the government have been infiltrated by people with an an agenderised, you know, uh, system, a generalised coercion plan and, and, and changing the very fabric of our society, um, then the only thing for evil to do well is good people to do nothing, you know. And uh, as Christians, we have, an I, I believe, an obligation to resist evil and to act according to our Christian con- convictions. Otherwise, we won't be able to help other countries. Our countries will slide downhill to the point where we'll be, we'll be the third world country, you know, and... and uh, so Peter, on. good so thoughts that's, there. That's the ultimate outcome, yeah. Let's get a response from Ross. Oh, look, try to agree, Peter. I think the way the Christian does it is important. If we get to that state, we do it respectfully. We don't attack the person. We uh, we deal with the issue. We don't shame. We try to, as well as we can, articulate what our concerns are. We're not belligerent, but we're saying these are our concerns. This is what's taking place. And this is where we feel we can't ad- uh, adhere to this or this is where we feel the government really needs to continue to address this. By the way, uh, it's just not governments. It's all kind of uh, authorities that uh, you can get caught up with here, Neil. But always seek to be the good citizen. Always seek to be the one who ha- lives out Romans 13, but not as a doormat. 
Peter on the Gold Coast, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join our conversation today. Let's come back to Romans 13 for a moment. And earlier in the segment, we mentioned that sometimes that's misrepresented, what is spoken in Romans chapter 13, because you take a wider context here, Ross, the idea that it was not even lawful for Jews to make converts of Romans or the whole mission of uh, the the Gentiles uh, to convert Gentiles to Christianity was against Roman law. So, uh, you know, you'd have to say here that uh, first century Christianity was all breaking the law, wasn't it? Oh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. And you, in the context, Neil, uh, Romans 13, when you look at it, Paul's addressing in particular Jewish zealots who are not playing, paying tax but are back in Rome and causing all sorts of civil disobedience and all sorts of struggles for good people to to minister and do whatever. And he's saying that's not the right approach. And he goes on in verse 6 and actually tells people to pay tax, to give to Caesar what's due to Caesar. So he is addressing a particular situation, saying in this situation, it doesn't warrant the response you're making. This situation, uh, you know, live out the life as a good citizen, love your brother as yourself, but he's not saying there are not situations where this won't happen. And by the way, it's just brilliant if you read Romans 13, because I believe, uh, Neil, God put in three orders, three structures. He put in the structure of the family, he put in structure of government, and he put in structure uh, the church. And they're the three structures he's given us, and he always made provision for them. Our God doesn't just say that's there. He made provision for the family, he gave land, for the church, he gave tithing, and for good government to operate, he knows it needs taxes, it needs resources. Our God, you know, not only puts something in place, he says we've got to resource it. And so that's what Romans 13 is doing. Uh, so you might be... A- you might be the rebel, but you're being a good citizen, paying your taxes. But when it comes to serving God, there's an agenda in the kingdom of God that goes beyond what the government demands of you. Oh, absolutely. And the failure of the church will not will be not to live out that radical edge. We're taking calls. 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Paul in Lilydale in Victoria. Hi, Paul. Welcome. Hi, Neil. How are you doing? Very well, Paul. What are your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are, look, um, we're talking about, you know, um, I, I'm, I've got a bit of information about, like, what's happening in Myanmar, and they've called their um, campaign the CDM, the disobedience um, movement as well, and they're obviously fighting a junta there. Now, um, it's not really about Christian values, but uh, what, what they're finding is that um, most of the people who are fighting the government are, are Buddhists, and uh, I've been asked by my Christian friends there, should we join in with the Buddhists um, and should we fight for our country as Christians and so they're putting it with a bit of a dilemma as well because uh, Sorry Paul, know, what nation are you talking about here? Myanmar. Oh in Myanmar, okay alright, yep. yep, so uh, yep, yep. Uh, Buddhists there and yeah, what Christians uh, what role Christians play in all of that, yes? Sorry, just well, complete right. what I mean, you're saying. Yeah, but, but basically um, you know, the, they want to know whether they should be fighting with their Buddhist neighbours against an oppressive government who's um, obviously um, hell-bent on killing them, basically. And so they're really finding, um, you know, there's a bit of a dilemma for them in a way. And they're asking me questions like, well, as Christians, should we be fighting, you know, um, the government, uh, taking up arms? You know, not everything's black and white, is it, Paul? Uh, Let's get a thought or two here from Ross. Yeah, look, uh, Paul, Myanmar is a particularly complex place. The Buddhists are under incredible persecution as are various other ethnic and religious groups. 
we need to stand with all people who are under persecution wherever they are and whatever their religious persuasion. I mean, I'm a very strong, committed evangelical Christian, but to stand for the right of the person to choose their own belief is absolutely fundamental to my own Christian uh thought and practice, not that I won't try to persuade them. And so when there's that hostility, and it really is there, mate, I mean, I would certainly be standing with those who are being oppressed in Myanmar, including the Buddhists, from a human rights perspective. I don't think I'd be taking up arms, though, but there are good groups that are representing all of those, like, uh, you know, other groups in China and elsewhere, and they deserve our support. These are human beings in the image of God. Uh, Paul, in Lilydale, sometimes uh, when I've thought about these sorts of things, I've reflected on the idea of being a co-belligerent, uh, someone who works alongside someone you might actually disagree with, uh, but it could be for a cause that both have in common. In fact, Ross, just to, to pick up on this, because even on issues of religious freedom and with the religious discrimination bill that will be coming, all religions get covered in that, and there is in some sense uh, all religions... and. Uh, we're different, uh, different uh, denominations, different uh, flavoured faiths even, all sort of working alongside each other. It doesn't mean that we're all uh, intermingled together, but uh, still fighting for the same sorts of uh, freedom issue there. Oh, you're right, Neil. And uh, it was Charles Colson who impacted so many of us, brought in prison fellowship, of course, being in jail himself after Watergate, who also got the term co-belligerent into place. And I agree. I mean, at times you do need for the basis of human rights, etc., to stand for other people and other groups as a matter of human dignity. Uh, Romans actually goes on and says, love your neighbour as yourself. And Paul goes on and says, just don't be obedient to government, but, uh, you know, love your neighbour as yourself. So he's you know, indicating there that to stand for people's human dignity is absolutely a call for Christians. And mate, we're one of the few faiths that actually do that and understand that, the people in the image of God. But, mate, that doesn't mean I'm not evangelising, let me tell you. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Paul, thank you so much for your call. Uh, we'll put a, uh, a line under calls now, just a few minutes remaining for our conversation, Ross. The idea that we're talking about Australia in this context, I mean, this you've got to shake yourself and say, are we talking about Australia and evil governments? Uh, well, the policies that some of our governments are coming out with, uh, we'd have to be able to, as Christians, if we're making a judgment about those, uh, to classify those as evil. If we're talking about uh, uh, those issues around conversion therapy or uh, abortion and uh, euthanasia that's going to be voted on in Queensland uh, within the next two or three weeks, I mean, these sorts of things are evil policies on our shores. How do you feel about those things, Ross? Yeah, look, I think that's appropriate to say that. Um, from a biblical Christian sense, they are evil. doesn't mean that the people or the party propagating it are evil. It just means that they're totally misinformed. The policy is anti the good for the community and anti where God would have us be, but it's not, it's not going to benefit anybody. It's about community breakdown and not about the community good. So I agree with you, Neil, and it's time to do this respectfully with people. I, I fear for politicians. I mean, they're under the microscope, you know, 24-7 like never before, social media and through other means. And to just go where the populace wants you to go is, you know, really out there. But look, 
Good leadership, mate, just doesn't give people what they want. Good leadership gives people what they need. And we need Christian leaders today in government and all circles who can articulate why the Christian value set is the one that we need to stand for and be part of as a community. Uh, where we're going at the moment is just not honouring to God and to each other. Ross, if we were drawing some loose ends together, perhaps uh, topping off our conversation, uh, perhaps around a word of wisdom, uh, some will say we're in the middle of a crisis already with some of these uh, legislations that are passing in various states. Uh, The idea that crisis creates opportunity, either for great loss, loss of our freedoms, uh, or great gain, maybe the gaining of our freedoms. Any thoughts here about... Uh, those listeners to our conversation today might be teetering on the edge, trying to make sense of what we're talking about today, uh, just how serious things are for the times to come and for being able to have enough conviction to make a stand. Look, they are serious for Christian schooling. They are serious for Christian Bible colleges. They are serious for Christian ministry situations. They are serious for Christian counselling. They are serious for Christian health groups. They are serious serious for our churches, Neil. They are, and they are also serious about our freedom for worship. This is a great time for the church to look again at Romans 13, to talk about it as a group in your community. You'll have differences of opinion, but you can all agree, give to God what is to God, give to Caesar what is to Caesar, and then talk through what that means for you as a community. And, you know, what are the boundary lines and where you feel it's not just about preaching, but you need to make a stand. Mate, I think some of the most proactive churches that I've been part of do this and do it well. I mean, the worst thing is not to have the conversation. The worst thing, as Edmund Burke said, has already been said, is for good men to do nothing. That's what prospers evil. Now, Ross, you are principal of Australia's largest theological college, the Mauling Theological College in Sydney. Uh, for listeners who are thinking, well, I like I'm, I like what I'm hearing from from Ross. Does this sort of stuff, uh, you know, does it uh, permeate uh, the sort of curriculum that you're teaching uh, those, uh, you know, uh, emerging Christian leaders that are coming through your college? Is this the sort of stuff that comes to the fore in in training around ethics and theology? Does this stuff come through? Oh, it certainly will, because I teach ethics and social <laughs> ethics and apologetics, Neil, but respectfully. I mean, everyone's got to have a voice. Everyone's got to be a herd. I mean, I say the best thing about a Christian college is it challenges its students to critique its teachers, unlike most secular universities. And so we have a conscience. I'm saying that we as Christians need to be people who are critical. C.S. Lewis talked about critical friendship. Be a critical friend of your local member. Just don't do what they say. Be critical. And by that, respecting supporting but also bringing to attention things that need to be brought to attention and saying in those situations i'm sorry we expect adjustment if not then this will have to flow well it's been a wonderful conversation ross the idea that our faith has substance the rubber does hit the road somewhere and it is going to demand some level of courage to speak up when the time is right and uh, a lot of good conversation around those times and the issues and all of the things that we might be facing into the coming very near future let me point people to Morling Theological College Morling.edu.au if you're looking to connect with Ross Clifford Morling M-O-R-L-I-N-G dot E-D-U dot A-U 
And uh, and in times past, uh, Ross, uh, you've had all sorts of courses that people can connect with, even some free ones. Are those still available? Oh, they're still available. And we've now got a campus in Perth as well as Sydney. And the Perth campus, of course, is, is the Vice campus, which was the Vice Seminary Bible College that is now joined with us. So we're in a good position, Neil. And if I could just mention, I've got a new book just out, Neil, called Rise, R-I-S-E. And it's about... Christians reclaiming in their life the resurrection living that reverses Genesis 1 and 2. We are are garden people, but what's it like to be in the garden of Genesis 1 and 2 with respect to marriage and work and rest? The resurrection calls us to live Genesis 1 to 2 again in our own lives in the power of Christ. Fabulous stuff. It's called Rise. Uh, is there a link on your Mauling College website or is there a different website listeners could go to? Look, it's just come out. So I don't even know we've got that far. But look, go to the Mauling College website. There's inquiries. And uh, if nothing else, uh, just ask me to uh, hike yeah. out a copy. And, and certainly the first couple I'll hike out free, Neil. Oh, fabulous stuff. The first two I'll hike out free. After that, you'll have to pay. (laughs) All right. However you do it, get in touch with the Reverend Dr. Ross Clifford. uh, Mauling.edu.au. The book is called Rise, about Christians reclaiming resurrection living. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.